Hello and welcome to the More Than Milk podcast, episode four. My name is Heidi Kim and I'm your host. And in this episode, we are going to talk all about pumping. Uh, Pumping is a huge topic in and of itself, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to cover all of it in this episode, Um, but I think it will be helpful for most of us that do pump. So I wasn't really planning on starting talking about pumping so early because the truth is you can go through your entire nursing life without ever breaking out the pump. But it seems to be coming up an awful lot on the More Than Milk Facebook group that I had made. And it also came up on the Patreon during last week's episode um, where we were talking about exclusive pumping. There's a lot of reasons why I think pumping is a very popular topic. There's not a lot of information out there about it. And um, I think that there's a lot of misinformation and it can feel kind of like we're out there on our own stressing out about uh, pumping. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it. If you live here in the United States, which is where I am based, we have pretty awful parental leave policy. I had to return to work at three months uh, with my older daughter, which was considered a generous leave. And I also didn't have any um, paid leave. So that was three months that we had to figure out a way to budget for and and I could get my job back, basically, which is a really, really stressful situation to be in. And I know that there are a lot of parents that have to go back to work even earlier, as early as six weeks or sometimes even earlier, because of our parental leave policy here in the United States. And if you're going to be separated from your child, um, you're most likely going to need to pump. You need to express milk in some way in order to maintain your supply and in order to give your child milk while you're gone. And this can be very, very stressful. There are other situations where you might pump. Right now, I pump to donate. So everything that I pump is extra because I'm fortunate enough to stay home at this point, which is wonderful. Sometimes you might need to pump if you're dealing with clogged ducts or mastitis. Sometimes you might need to pump if you are separated from baby because they're in the NICU, for example, or you have a child that's not effectively removing milk. That might be a situation where you need to pump. And then there are other situations where you might need to pump as well. Perhaps you're an exclusive pumper. So I think that the majority of this episode is going to be geared towards returning to work because that's what I have personal experience with. But I would love to do an episode about exclusive pumping as well. Um, I would just prefer to do that with someone who's actually done it because my experience with pumping is a little bit different. But hopefully this will be helpful regardless. So I want to mention that there are a few different kinds of pumps. I did an episode recently on the Heidi Kim TV YouTube channel all about how to pick a different pump. If you live here in the United States, insurance is required to cover a personal use pump for you, usually a double electric personal use pump. And you can check out that video to figure out how you would go about um, getting a personal use pump if you live here in the United States. And I also talked about the difference between personal use 
double electric pumps and hospital grade pumps. There are some personal use pumps that call themselves hospital grade and all that means with those brands is that they are able to be used by multiple users because they have some kind of backflow protector to prevent milk from getting into the motor. Um, the pump that I'm currently using calls itself a hospital grade pump for that reason. And I have to say it's a very, very good pump. But when I'm talking about hospital grade, what I'm typically talking about is one that has a much stronger motor and one that usually costs thousands of dollars that you need to rent and that is for establishing a milk supply. The vast majority of us are never going to need to use a hospital grade pump um, but if you are separated from baby and it's in that first month or for whatever reason baby is not effectively removing milk you're going to want to use a pump like that in order to establish a supply. Once your supply is established it's at that point that the personal use pumps come into play. So that's what the majority of us who return to work are going to be using. So I want to start out by talking about how much milk baby really needs while you're away because I feel like if I could go back in time and tell myself anything when I was pumping while my daughter was at work. It's this information. And I don't think that there was a lot of places that had this information out there. A breastfed baby from ages one month to six months will typically take in one ounce to 1.5 ounces per hour. So say you're completely separated from a baby, you're in an exclusive pumping sort of situation, you can expect the child to need anywhere from 24 ounces to about 36 ounces, give or take, every baby is different, you know, everyone's milk consistency is a little bit different, but about 24 ounces to 36 ounces from the time they are one month old to the time they are six months old. It might increase a little bit when growth spurts are happening. But that's pretty consistent, and that really surprised me to know because I always thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to need more as she gets older. But the difference between breast milk, there are many differences between breast milk and formula, but one of the differences is that your breast milk consistency changes as the child gets older. And so as they get older, the number of calories per ounce increases. So a breastfed baby that is being fed milk in an alternative way besides at the breast is never going to need to graduate to seven ounce bottles, which I did not know with Rosalind. I wish that I had known that. It would have saved me a lot of stress. They also don't need to graduate to faster flow nipples. You can usually stay with this, the slowest flow nipple and the smallest bottle. So say that you're going to be separated from your baby for eight hours, you can expect your child to take in anywhere from eight ounces to 12 ounces while you're gone. Um, and let's suppose that they do that. Let's suppose that they take a bottle every four hours. They might take it a little bit more consistently than that. Um, then you would expect like a four ounce bottle. Probably they're going to take it a little bit more often than that. So maybe... Maybe they take in a total of nine ounces while you're away. So maybe a three ounce bottle every three hours or so. That might give you a general idea of what to expect your child to take in. I just wish I could go back and tell myself that information. 
Another really, really important thing to know is to tell the care providers to pace the feeding. I will try to remember to link in the show notes as well as on the Patreon page a video about paced bottle feeding. I've already shared it on the Facebook group, but I will go ahead and share it again. Um, this is really important to know if you are a care provider for a breastfed baby. Actually, any baby, you probably want to be pacing the feeding so that you can make sure that they're not being overfed. Usually what you'll see happen when babies get a bottle is that they'll kind of be laying on their back with their stomach up in the air, tilted back, and you'll kind of pour the bottle out. But when you turn a bottle upside down, milk just continues to flow, and a baby's instinct is to suck. So whether they have a pacifier in their mouth, whether they have you know their thumb in their mouth, or whether they have a bottle in their mouth, they're going to continue to suck because that's their instinct. And so a lot of times that milk is coming so, so fast, and their instinct is to suck, that they down that bottle super duper quickly. They can have a lot of reflux, they can be really, really overfed, they can spit all of it up, and they can also develop a preference for that faster speed because it is much more efficient for them. It is much easier for them to do than trying to nurse at the breast because they have to suck for a little while before they trigger letdown. So when you pace the bottle feeding, you're going to have baby kind of in a more sitting upright kind of position, and you're going to give them lots and lots of breaks. And you're going to kind of have the um, nipple in a position where there's no milk in it and then make them suck a little bit and then give them a little bit of milk. It's a lot easier if you just see the video. You can look it up on YouTube and I'll try to remember to link it to all those kinds of things. But letting your care provider know to do that will also um, help prevent you from being really stressed out about not having enough milk. Another thing that I think is really important to know about pumping is to know that when you are still home and if you're not missing any feedings, um, you can expect to get anywhere from half an ounce to three ounces in a pumping session because anything that you pump beyond the exclusive feeding is extra. So... A lot of times it can be really, really stressful. You're about to return to work in two weeks. You start pumping to return to work and you're getting half an ounce. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to pump enough. Once you're separated and you're actually missing feedings, you're probably going to be able to pump a lot more. Another thing that everyone I think needs to know is that a baby is much more efficient at removing milk than a pump. So the amount that you can pump is not reflective of your supply. Unless you are exclusively pumping, the amount that comes out when you're pumping is not the amount that your child is getting at the breast. Um, so I think that that's really, really important to know. You might get to a point where your breasts are so, quote, empty that you can't pump any more out, but there's always milk for baby. I know with Rosalind, I was really scared to pump because I was like, well, what if I pump and then she needs to eat immediately afterwards? Baby might get a little bit annoyed if you just pumped 
and they need to eat immediately afterwards because the letdown might be a little bit slower. They might have to work a little bit harder. But empty breasts make more milk. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. A lot of times, parents will wait until they feel full before they start to pump. Um, because then you get more milk in that pumping session, which in the short term feels really rewarding. But the more often you pump and the more consistently you do it, the more milk you're going to make. So I think that's important to know. I read a book recently by Diana West, who is brilliant. She has written all kinds of of books about breastfeeding, but I was reading one called The Breastfeeding Mother's Guide to Making More Milk. And she talked about it like this. Imagine that it's a bathtub. And when the bathtub is unplugged, if baby is sucking, it's like turning on the faucet. So you turn on the faucet, the plug might be undone, but water is still coming, or in this case, milk is still coming. Similarly, if it's plugged, eventually you're going to give your body the message, hey, stop making so much milk. So it's not a great idea if you're separated to wait until you're really full because every time your body gets really, really full, it tells your body to make less milk. There are lots of things that I really, really love about the internet and Facebook communities. I'm a big fan of how the internet has helped people to breastfeed. Um, I know that my mom didn't have access to the internet when she was feeding us in the 80s, and I think that I couldn't have done it without the internet. But there is one aspect that I get a little bit nervous about when I see, and that is a lot of times parents like to post these huge amounts that they've just pumped, which I totally understand. You know, maybe a baby missed a feeding and you've just pumped this massive amount. It's the most amount of milk you've ever pumped and it's really exciting and you want to share it. But I get a little nervous when I see that because my fear is that people will see that and then think that's the norm, that they should be filling an entire bottle when they pump. And I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you look at something like that, that that's not reflective of supply. It's reflective of a high storage capacity, which is an important thing to understand when you are breastfeeding, especially if you're pumping. Your storage capacity is how full your breasts can get of milk before they start to send your body a signal that says, hey, you need to make less. And so I, for example have donated well over a thousand ounces of breast milk. I would have what you would call an oversupply. I have more milk than my baby needs, but I have never pumped a full bottle ever in the entire time that I have nursed. And that's because I have a more average or possibly even lower storage capacity, which just means that baby needs to nurse more often. So I think that's wonderful, but just know if you're seeing those kinds of things on groups that you're on, that that's not the norm. And if that's not the amount that you're pumping, that doesn't mean that you don't have enough. I know I'm talking a lot about how much milk is enough and whether or not you have enough, but I feel like when you pump, the majority of the stress and the anxiety is related to that. 
If you're pumping to return to work, it's also important to talk to your employer, ideally while you're still pregnant or at least while you, before you return from maternity leave, to let them know, hey, I plan on pumping. How are we going to make this work? They technically, if they have over 50 employees, need to provide you with a room that has a door that locks that is not a bathroom to pump. At least that's the law here in Arizona, as far as I know. And then if they have less than 50 employees, they're still supposed to do it. Um, but if they can prove that it is an, uh, what is the wording? I think it's something like an unreasonable hardship, they might be able to get out of it. So let's talk about that for a minute. My pumping situation when I returned to work with Roslyn was I was working at a coffee shop. There literally wasn't a room in the entire building that had a door at all, much less a door that locked, except for the bathroom. So it was kind of an undue hardship. And I had a manager who, at least my first manager when I was first returning, was really not supportive of breastfeeding. And I was fortunate because I had someone who had come ahead of me and set up standards for pumping um, at at work. And so it made my life a lot easier. I was just like, oh, I'm going to do what she did. Um, what we ended up doing is just putting up a curtain in the back room and I would pump on my brakes behind that curtain. Now in, in Arizona, at least they're not required to pay you for these breaks, but they are supposed to give you adequate time to pump. I'm not sure what I had was really adequate time because you do have to consider not just how much time it takes to pump, but also how much time it takes to set everything up and put everything away, all of that kind of stuff. So that was added stress for me. Um, I think a couple of things that made it easier was telling my care providers not to feed her when I was on my way to go pick her up. So within about half an hour of going to pick her up, please don't give her a bottle because that way I can nurse her when I get there. I wish I could go back in time and tell myself about the magic of pumping while driving. I now pump to donate and the vast majority of what I donate, I pump while I'm in the car. Pretty much if I'm in the car, I have my car adapter turned on and I'm pumping. And, um, you know, if you get in a car accident, don't blame me. But what I do is I just put on like a, a hands-free bra. Actually, I don't even own a hands-free bra. What I take is just a normal nursing bra and I clip it up. I have smaller breasts, so I don't know if this would work with larger breasts, but I've heard of people uh, cutting holes in sports bras as well to do this. Um, and then I just put the flanges in and I put a cover over the top. I usually just use my ring sling for this and I'm completely hands-free and I drive and that's, that would have gotten me a lot more milk when I was pumping for Roslyn and I would have been a lot less stressed. One trick that I did learn when I was pumping for Roslyn that helped me out a ton was to pump on one side and nurse on the other. Um, so I would feed her on one side, pump on the other side, and I always got way more milk when I did it that way because when she was nursing on one side, it would trigger my body to let down on the other side. Some of you might be hearing that and thinking to yourself, well, I offer both breasts when I breastfeed. But again, I want to go back to what I said about the bathtub and empty breasts making more milk. Your baby will always be able to remove milk, assuming that 
they're effectively nursing. So if you're having problems with weight gain or tongue tie or that kind of thing, make sure that you do see an IBCLC. But assuming that they're a healthy full-term child, they're going to get more milk than any pump will be able to. So what I would do is I would feed her on one side, pump on the other. Then when I was done pumping, I would switch her back over to the side that I just pumped on. Sometimes she'd get annoyed because letdown was a little bit slower, but there was still milk there and she got plenty. Another thing that a lot of pumping parents will notice is that you tend to get more milk in the morning time. So that is a good trick. I would wake up before Rosalind woke up and I would pump then. Um, pumping at work for me was a very stressful situation because like I said, I was behind this curtain and I wasn't given a lot of privacy. People would like hand things off through the curtain or they'd answer the phone and be like, hey, Heidi, this other shop needs... Um, needs coffee cups. Do we have extra cups that we can give them? Or they'd be like, I'm not looking, but I need to hand you my purse, which was really annoying and really frustrating. Um, but also a lot of times it's really difficult for some women to let down for the pump. And so some tricks for that would be looking at pictures of your baby. A lot of times I've heard people say, look at a video of your baby crying. And for me personally, I found that to be too distressing and too stressful to look at. But if I could look at pictures or video of her kind of rooting around or smacking her lips, um, kind of those early hunger cues, not the crying, that triggered letdown for me as well. Um, if you're in a place where you can kind of turn down the lights or turn on nice, comfortable, soothing music, that's going to help a lot as well with the pumping situation and help with letdown, I think. Another thing that I have learned since I had Rosalind and that I wish I could go back and tell myself is about hands-on pumping. Um, there is a study recently where they were looking at uh, parents of NICU babies. So these moms uh, we're separated from their babies. And in the case of a NICU baby, um, breast milk is kind of like medicine for them. It's really, really important, especially with these preemies, for preventing neck. And so um, these moms were really stressed out about being able to pump enough. And one of the tricks that they did was they would do hands-on pumping, which is where you kind of massage your breasts beforehand, and then you pump and while you pump, you continue to massage your breasts. And then when you're done, you hand express. Hand expression is great. And some people might even find that they get more milk hand expressing. So that's worth experimenting with as well. And occasionally I have found that I get more milk with a hand pump than a double electric pump. So don't think just because something is necessarily old technology that it won't work for you. Um, but what this study found is that they got 48% more milk volume when they did this technique and that they got higher fat and higher calorie milk when they did this technique. So it's definitely worth looking into. I was recently at a conference where Diana West, the author of The Breastfeeding Mother's Guide to Making More Milk and Sweet Sleep and all kinds of other books, was speaking and she talked about this other country, and now I can't remember which country it was, but the mothers would go into 
work. They would go work and the grandmothers would take care of the children. And what they would do every morning before they left is they would hand express into cups so that babies could have cups of breast milk while they were away. And they would all get into a circle and they would do what's called waking up their breast. And they would kind of like run their fingers and do a little bit of tapping on their breast and um, do some massage and a little bit of expressing and um I like to take my breast and kind of like shake it a little bit before I start pumping. And what I find is that I get a lot more milk doing it this way as well. So you do a little massage beforehand, you pump, and then while you're pumping, if you can kind of massage the breast too, it can be kind of tricky with the flange as well. And then when you're done, hand express as much as you can into the flange. And sometimes you can get a whole extra ounce just from hand expressing after the fact. So this was like a huge game changer. I wish I could go back and do this. Another thing that I just mentioned, and I might do a whole podcast specifically about getting your breastfed baby to take milk while you're away, is that these moms used cups uh, to feed their child while they were away. It can be super duper stressful if you have a breastfed child that won't take a bottle. I know I I didn't have a problem with Roslyn taking a bottle, but Irene doesn't take a bottle all that well, which isn't a huge deal because right now I stay home. Um, but I wish she would take a bottle a little bit better. But I used to babysit for a child that would take a bottle from everyone except for from me. And the reason for that was because I was lactating and she knew I had the goods. Now there's a couple of things you can do in that situation. One that we could have done was cross nurse. I would like to do a whole episode about cross nursing. Ideally, I'd like to get people on who have done that as well. Cause I did that recently, which was an interesting experience. Um, I offered to cross nurse with her, meaning nurse someone else's child. <clears throat> Excuse me. But her mom wasn't very comfortable with that um, because baby had special dietary needs and not everyone's comfortable with that. And that's totally fine. So what uh, we did instead is I would cup feed her. Um, And usually you'll see cup feeding or spoon feeding or like syringe finger feeding as alternatives to bottle feeding um, when babies are very, very little like in the hospital still, but for a while, I just fed her with a medicine cup. Um, Sometimes you can use like a little shot glass and they just like lap it up like a kitten. They just lick it up. It was so, so cute. She was really stressed out about it though, about the bottle situation. And it was just kind of a stressful situation for everyone involved. Eventually we did get that baby to take a bottle, but at first it was really, really stressful. But what her lactation consultant told her is something that I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, and I think something that everyone should know, which is she's not going to starve if you can't get her to take a bottle while you're away. Irene decided that she was going to wake up from a nap, so she's joining us for this. So if you hear little coos, that's my baby. Anyways, but the lactation consultant told her, 
is that that baby is not going to starve if she does not take a bottle at all while you're away because mom was away about mm, six to eight hours. And the important thing to know is that some babies at that age sleep for that long and go that long without nursing. A lot of babies don't, but some babies do, and they don't starve. What the baby did is she reversed cycled, uh, meaning she would go that six-hour stretch or that eight-hour stretch with me, not taking a bottle, and then she nursed a ton when her mom came home and nursed all through the night because they can only do that once. They can't do it. They can't do six hours or eight hours without the babysitter and then or with the babysitter and then do eight hours at night too. So reverse cycling is super frustrating. It's not fun for the baby who gets super duper fussy um, for the care provider. It's not fun for the care provider. It was very stressful for me. Um, And it's not fun for mom because she's working and she's tired. But hearing that story and knowing at that time that that was the situation made me a lot less stressed about pumping enough for Roslyn and a lot less stressed about, oh my gosh, what if they run out of milk? Because I realized even if she didn't take any milk while I was gone, she wasn't going to starve. So I think that's an important story to hear. I will say just as a caveat to that, that again, everything that I'm talking about is with healthy full-term children that are growing effectively and gaining weight effectively. Um, Don't take what I'm saying as medical advice generally. I'm just a mom. But it was reassuring to hear that information. And I wish that I had known that during the first few months that I was separated from Roslyn because it would have relieved a lot, a lot of my general stress. Um, But alternatively, there are other ways to feed a child that won't take a bottle if your care provider is willing to work with it. A lot of daycares really prefer a bottle, and I understand that because that's what they're familiar with. But but even older children... Hi, Irene. Even older children can be finger-fed with a syringe. Um, That baby drank out of a little medicine cup. Sometimes you can use a little shot glass. Um, Sippy cups. A lot of times this is a good solution for... Yes, Irene. A lot of times this is a good solution for a breastfed baby that won't take a bottle is to use a sippy cup. Um, A spoon might work. It might be a little much for... An older baby that's taking in ounces instead of milliliters. But there are other solutions as well to the pumping sort of situation. Another thing that I want to say with that is that it was important for her to continue to pump while she was away in order to maintain her supply. Um, There's something called breast milk storage capacity. And if you go online and look up the magic number, you'll see... Some really interesting articles. Hi, Irene. Some really interesting articles about breast milk storage capacity, which is really important to know. That's how long you can go without emptying your breasts before, um, before your body gets the signal to make less. So she still had to pump, even though her baby wasn't really taking a bottle, in order to maintain her supply and in order to prevent her from getting mastitis and all this kind of stuff. But it was, you know, good to know. 
And a couple real quick pumping hacks that I just want to say too um, before I end the episode that I didn't know with Roslyn either is that you don't have to wash all of your pump parts every single time you pump. You can just pop them in the fridge. Uh, so what you do is you just take them and put them in the fridge, maybe rinse them out first, and then put them in the fridge. Um, and then you can wash them out with soap, warm soapy water when you get home once every 24 hours instead of having to do it every single time that you pump. So I think that is helpful information to know. Again, that's with healthy full-term babies. When I pump for the NICU, I can't do that. Um, the sterilization process is much more complicated than that. And then I want to add to that I think learning how to hand express is a really important skill for any parent to have um, because there are times that you'll get to work and your pump won't work or you'll be separated from baby and you won't have your pump with you. And I can't tell you how many times I was in the back room behind that silly little curtain and I hand expressed into a coffee cup because I had forgotten to bring my pump stuff with me. So I think that that is definitely worth knowing as well as how to do. So I hope that this podcast was helpful. I would love to hear from you guys. What are some of your favorite pumping tricks or what is your pumping experience like? Um, you can go over to the More Than Milk Facebook page and we can start a conversation there. And really quickly, I also wanted to read a post over on the Patreon page because I did tell you that if you guys leave a comment on the Patreon, I will try to read it on air. Again, you don't have to be a Patreon supporter in order for me to read your comment or in order to leave a comment. If while you're over there, you would like to leave a comment. Um, and while you're leaving a comment, if you would like to support the podcast, I really appreciate that. That makes a big difference for my family. And as we earn more with the podcast, I will be able to get a better mic. And I'm hoping to use the money that we earn from the podcast to help me get my IBCLC. Um, and I will thank you for doing for doing that by doing a monthly hangout on the Patreon. But for the rest of you, it will continue to be free, and it's completely free to leave a comment. So I'm going to go ahead and read a comment by B. <laughs> This is what B said. I am so excited for this podcast. I don't have kids, but I am completely fascinated with birth and babies, and I guess that I'm weird. The birth hour is my new obsession, and I'm so happy that you started this one. It's fun to ask women in my family about their breastfeeding and birth experience. And I just wanted to thank B for leaving that comment. I totally agree. I was a birth junkie long before I ever got pregnant. I remember... Um, I think I watched The Business of Being Born before I got pregnant, and I certainly watched, it doesn't really play right now anymore, but I think it's called A Birth Story, when, um, long before we were trying to get pregnant, and I remember reading books, I just, I think that the woman's body is a fascinating, fascinating thing, and the more I learn about it, the more cool I think it is, 
that I'm that my body can do these things. So um, I totally relate. B, I was in your same situation, and I just want to thank you for leaving a comment. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to go over to the More Than Milk Facebook page where you can join the conversation and talk about pumping. I will try to share the um, stuff I talked about with paste bottle feeding, the magic number um, where it talks about breast milk storage capacity. And there's also a really great article by Kelly Mom that talks a little bit about what you can expect a baby to take when you are pumping and what to do if you are not pumping enough. So um, all that should be on the Facebook page. I'll try to share some of it on the Patreon as well. And thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye guys.